Welcome to another episode of Berean's Podcast. Each week we share a message from the Bible and examine it to understand and learn to apply it to our lives. The hope is that through the wisdom of the scriptures, we will all be encouraged to make real life change and that the power of the gospel will transform our lives. Thanks for listening and enjoy this episode of the Berean Podcast that starts right now. Good morning, Faith Family. I want to say hello to those that are gathered in Lakeville. Invite all of you, if you would, to turn to John chapter 4. Gospel of John chapter 4 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, Lakeville, I know you didn't hear this, but Pastor Terry just made a comment that he was going to be in the front of the line for the dunk booth when I'm in the dunk tank. Have you seen his puny little arms? I am not worried at all. I would say he throws like a girl, but that would be an offense to all the girls. So bring it on, big boy. Now that I got that off my chest, John chapter 4. We've been in a series, if you've been with us most of the summer, we've been in a series called Traveling Light. Uh, We're talking about a lot of the baggage and burdens that we tend to carry in life that make life heavy. Uh, and how the fact that the Bible constantly calls us to cast our anxieties on Him, that Jesus wants us to experience freedom and, and peace, uh, and not to travel heavy, but to travel light. And so we've been looking at a lot of different issues, uh, forgiveness, uh, control. Uh, last week we talked about kind of the, the weight or the baggage of discouragement. We're going to talk about another one today. Uh, next week will be our last part of this series, but today we're going to talk about our past. I don't really think you could have a series on traveling light without talking about this because all of us have things in our past that keep coming back up. In fact, uh, the Bible calls our enemy the accuser. He loves to bring things back up from our past. Place, uh, areas where we've been wounded or decisions that we've made or, or a guilt that we have, shame that we experience, and these things te- tend to keep coming back and they can be heavy uh, and burdensome uh, in our life. And so we're going to look this morning at a passage, and yes, it's a familiar passage, but for good reason, about a woman who had a very difficult past. And by the time she gets finished... With Jesus, she's traveling light. And that's my prayer uh, for us today. So let's look at John 4. We're going to pick up in verse 7. And so if you're able to stand, would you please do so as we honor the reading of God's Word. And let's read this passage here and ask God to teach us from it today. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw water with. The well is deep. Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, having given us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? 
Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never thirst again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I'll not have to be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. So Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. I have no husband. You're right in saying I have no husband for you've had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. You must be a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain and you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for the salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming. Oh, it is now here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. And when He comes, He'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am He. What a beautiful passage. Let's pray that God would speak to us this morning from His Word. God, thank You for moments like this when um, we can just be in Your presence and look to Your Word and supernatural things happen. I believe that what happened to that Samaritan woman will happen today in the lives of those who are gathered here. That there is baggage and burdens and heavy things in our life. And Jesus wants to set us free just like He did for her. So, Holy Spirit, come and do Your work. Come and work in this place. Do what only You can do. All to the glory of one name alone, and that's the name of Jesus. And we pray it in His name. And God's people said, Amen. 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 Please be seated. Years have passed. Nobody really talks about it anymore, but I still hear the sound of that train whistle blowing in my sleep. They were the haunting words of a German pastor who pastored a small German church during the Holocaust. The pastor was retelling some of the stories of the Jewish people who were tortured and beaten and how many German Christians during that time did everything they could to distance themselves from that reality. Uh, As the pastor said, they try to, quote, keep it out of mind. But that was hard to do for this little German church because right behind their church building was a railroad track that led straight to a concentration camp. 
every Sunday when this little church would gather, they could hear off in the distance the sound of that train getting closer. They could hear the wheels as they would get louder. And most horrifying of all, they could hear the cries of men and women being hauled off and carried away to death. Here's how that German pastor recalled the story. Quote, We knew what time the train would come past the church. And as soon as we heard the whistle blow, we started singing hymns. By the time the train went by, we were singing at the top of our voices. If we heard the cries, we sang louder. And soon we heard them no more. Years have passed and no one talks about that anymore. But I still remember that whistle sound blowing in my sleep. Faith family, it's a haunting thing to live with a past you wish you could undo. If you could just go back and undo what was done, if you could just go back and not send that text message, if you could just go back and be the parent you know you should have been, if you could just go back and make some different decisions when you were in college, if you could just go back and never have had that first drink, if you could just go back and never have made that business deal, if you could just go back and say, I love you, I'm sorry, or can I tell you about Jesus before it was too late. I don't know everything about you, but I know this about you. Listen, all of us to one degree or another know what it's like to hear that haunting whistle of the past. And we're not alone. Faith family, the Bible is full of people who knew that whistle sound. David says this in Psalm 38, verse 4. He says, now listen to this language, faith family. My iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down. All day long I go about mourning. David knew the whistle sound. And so did Paul. Romans chapter 7, verse 15. Paul says, For I do not understand my own actions. Can anybody relate today? For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Paul knew the whistle sound. So did Peter. 
Luke chapter 22, verse 61, and the Lord looked at Peter, and Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. Peter knew the sound of the whistle. It's not just the experience of a few select people in the Bible, and it's not just an experience of a few select people in this room today. It's the story of all humanity. Because the Bible says in Genesis that Adam and Eve were naked and not what? ashamed. A meaning no, shame meaning shame. That is, humanity was created with nothing to be ashamed of. Human beings were created without a past to regret. And ever since the fall of mankind, ever since sin entered in, we've been trying to undo what's been done. And we're just like that little German church. We'll do anything to silence the cries. We'll sing louder, we'll work harder, we'll give more to try to relieve this burden. I got good news for you today. I got really good news for you. Does anybody want good news today? Here's the good news today. Jesus says, come to me. If you are weary and you are heavy laden, even with the burden of a past, and guess what I'm going to give you? Rest. That's exactly what he does for a woman in Samaria. Look at it, verse 3. Jesus left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to, you should underline that in your Bible, pass through Samaria. Notice, first of all, here that Jesus gets to the heart of our past. Jesus gets to the heart of our past. This is John's way of showing the intentionality, the purposefulness of Jesus. Verse 4 says that Jesus had to pass through Samaria. Now, let's get this straight, faith family. Jesus doesn't had to do anything. He's Jesus, okay? He's Lord. He's sovereign. So what, is, what does it mean that he had to? Well, you might say he had to out of geography. You know, maybe his camel had a bad GPS, and so he had to go that way. Or you might just look at a map like this, and you would say, well, duh, if you're in Judea here in the south, and you want to go to Galilee in the north, well, of course, you're going to pass through Samaria, unless, of course, you know the history of this time, and some of you do. Jews refused to go that way. Jews went this way. They would go to Galilee by way of the Jordan. That is, they didn't want anything to do with Samaria for cultural reasons of which we'll unpack in just a moment. So you need to see Jesus goes this way. This is the green line. He doesn't go the normal way, which is the red line. He goes the green way right through Samaria because he had to. What does it mean that he had to? Jesus has an appointment with a Samaritan woman that she doesn't even know about, and he's going to make sure he's on time. 
And when he gets there, the intentionality of Jesus continues when he meets this Samaritan woman. Pick it up at verse 5. He came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, he was sitting beside the well. And it's about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for it was Taco Tuesday, and the disciples had gone to get taco. Okay, that's not exactly the way the Bible reads. They went away to get food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, what? What do you, how is it that you, you are asking me for a drink, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. you got to see this, faith family. Jesus is not just intentional to get to Samaria. Jesus is intentional with this Samaritan woman. As soon as he encounters her, he immediately starts going after her heart. Oh, he, and I'm going to show you at the end of this how, how gracious Jesus is for doing this. And this shows you something about his love. This woman has a lot of baggage And Jesus is about to peel back every layer. Some of you are visual learners, and so we're going to walk through this passage with kind of an illustration. And this illustration, again, kind of fits with the theme of this whole series of traveling light and the baggage and stuff that we carry. And everything that I'm going to do, I trust, is unpacking the text here. But I'm trying to show you how Jesus is going after her. Jesus is going to get to that burden. Jesus is going to get to that issue so she can travel light. But first, he's got to cut through some cultural baggage. Jesus initiates a conversation with a woman. And I know that does nothing for you. That's because you don't understand the history of what's going on here. Ladies, I'm not trying to offend you in any way. I'm just telling you the way it was back then is that a man, certainly a a religious Jewish man, would not initiate a conversation. Certainly if they had a status of like a rabbi, they would never initiate a conversation with a woman. Some of you ladies are like, I had no idea my husband was a rabbi. (laughs) I just learned a lot about you, honey. In fact, just kind of funny little story, there was a group called the Bloody Pharisees, not making this up. They were literally had, had wounds and scratches and scars all over them because they would do everything they could to avoid initiating a conversation with a woman and would end up running into things. And so they got named the Bloody Pharisees, totally true. So you've got to understand that Jesus is cutting through a lot of cultural baggage just by initiating this conversation with a woman. It's why her expression when Jesus initiates this conversation probably looks something like this. Like, what are you doing? I want, what in the world is this coming from? Because culturally, there was a lot of baggage for Jesus to be able to get to her heart. But he's not finished. He doesn't just stop with the cultural baggage. He goes even further to racial baggage. Now, you've probably studied this passage before. This is probably not the first sermon you've heard on this for many of you. And so you know, even as the text says, that there was severe, and I mean severe hatred between Jews and Samaritans. I mean, hate with a capital H here. The reason is it all went back to the Assyrian captivity in 722 B.C. Israel was scattered. 
they went into foreign lands and worshipped foreign gods and married foreign women. And you just have to pardon the language. From that came what was like a half-breed, uh, that is, part uh, Assyrian and Jewish. And you remember last week, at least I hope so, it was just last week, when we talked about Jonah and Jonah runs from God because he's called to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria, because he hates Assyrians. He hates Ninevites. The only thing he hates more is a God that would be gracious to a people like that. And so can you imagine the hatred and animosity towards a half-breed people that came out of Jewish people and Assyrian people being to, oh, there is a lot of racial baggage here. And Jesus cuts through that racial baggage, not by just talking to a woman, but talking to a Samaritan woman. It's why when the disciples get back from Taco Tuesday, they can't believe what Jesus is doing. And yet Jesus isn't finished yet. Now he's going to cut through some social baggage. Not just racial baggage, but social baggage. What time of day is it? Look at verse 6. It's the sixth hour. Does anybody know what time that is? That's noon. If you know anything about drawing water in a hot climate, you know, whether it's back in those days or even today in certain countries, you know you do not draw water at noon. You go in the morning or you go in the evening when it's cool. The only reason you would draw water during the noontime in the heat of the day is you're trying to avoid somebody or something. You're a reject. You're an outcast. The woman goes to the well at noon because she doesn't want to have that conversation. She doesn't want to be called that thing again. She doesn't want to have to feel that stare again today. And Jesus asked her for a drink from her bucket. You don't even have a bucket. You're going to drink from mine? This is insane. You imagine the late, you walk into a coffee shop and you see the late Billy Graham having coffee with Miley Cyrus. <laughs> and you just think, oh, who, huh, what, what? This is, this is, no. Socially, this doesn't seem to work. This is very awkward. And yet Jesus so cares. Are you starting to see the layers here? Jesus so cares about this woman. And he so wants her to travel light that he cuts through all the baggage. And you're saying, he's got more bags in there? Oh, yeah. Because this woman's got a lot of baggage. And so do you. Now he's going to deal with some relational baggage. Look at it here in the text. As if this were not awkward enough. Jesus said, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying I have no husband. Because you've had five. Oh, snap. <laughs> to see the response on that woman's face. This was already awkward enough, Jesus. You're talking to a woman. You're talking to a Samaritan woman. You're talking to a reject woman who has to come during the noontime. 
and now you got to bring up my past. And ladies, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just telling you the way it was in those days. In those days, a female could not initiate a divorce. Only the male could do that. Which means at least five times in this woman's life she's been told, I don't want you. I don't want you. Jesus does. Jesus does. So much so, He's willing to cut through all this baggage. Because He's going to get to have her burden and He's going to set her free. But He's got to go one step more. You're like, you got to be kidding me. What do you have in here? A knife? <laughs> Verse 18 is not finished yet. Look at it. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. He's got her. He's peeled back all the layers. And he's got to her heart. He has cut through cultural, social, racial, relational baggage. And he's got to that issue that's holding her back from being free. Do you know how I know that's the case? Look at how quickly she changes the subject. Verse 19. <laughs> the woman said to him, Oh, you must be a prophet. So let's, I don't know, talk about worship. What church do you go to? I go to that church over there, and, and my uncle goes to this church over here. And, and you know, your people, uh, our fathers worship on this mountain, and you say in Jerusalem is where you're supposed to, to worship. And da 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 you, you see what she's doing? Because he's got her. His grace is breaking through, and she's really uncomfortable. I told you that I would show you how this is the graciousness, not just the purposefulness of Jesus, but this really is a gracious Savior. Amen? Because Jesus doesn't... Oh, come on, come on. Lakeville, come in, come in. Jesus doesn't just walk in and say, I'm Messiah. I'm here. Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Okay? Pray this prayer after me. If you prayed that prayer, raise your hand. No, He doesn't do that. What He does is He goes after the heart. The point is, he loves this woman so much. He wants her free so bad that he takes the time to cut through every layer to get to her heart. Look at me, faith family. What is that for you? What is this? What is this burden? This decision you made? This regret that you have? This guilt? This shame? This Maybe it goes back to college. Maybe it goes to high school. Maybe it goes back to last night. But it haunts you. You feel like it's defined you. And Jesus is saying today, I'm coming after your heart. Because it's time to stop 
carrying that burden. Some of you have been on a cruise for a really long time. It's called a guilt trip. And it's defined you and weighed you down. And I'm just telling you that there's a Savior who's purposefully going after you today. And He doesn't just go after the heart of her past. The second thing I want you to see in this text is He gives her and us hope for our future. Amen? He gives her hope for her future. Notice what He offers her. Are you still with me, faith family? Look at verse 10. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, but sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Uh, Where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us this well. He drank from himself, his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, but everyone who drinks of this water, it will be, watch, thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me the water so I'll not have to be thirsty or come here to draw water. Now, we have some people in Berean that we like to affectionately call Bible nerds. Anybody want to represent? I got a few, okay? Last night they were like, woo! You know, like just happy to identify myself as a nerd. And and so there's occasionally in a sermon that I will get just a little technical, and uh, I want to do that for just a few moments. And so I'm going to ask you, Lakeville Sanctuary, everybody, just hang with me, because how many of you have ever studied a passage that you knew really well, uh, maybe you taught on it before, you'd heard a sermon on it before, and you study it again, and God gives you fresh insight? Has that ever happened to you? It happened for me in this passage. I, I've known this story since I was a kid. And yet I, there was another passage that I saw parallels with that explains what Jesus is offering when he says, come and drink. Come drink of the living water that I offer you. So keep John 4 in your mind. And I want you just to listen, but do so intently and intentionally, because then I want to draw some parallels that will help us see what Jesus is offering and what gives us hope. So are you with me? Here we go. Hebrews 10, verse 1. For since the law is but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices, watch, that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. There'd be no more guilt or shame. Verse 11, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time 
those who are being sanctified. Last verse, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Are you still with me? Here's the parallels. I need you to hang with me for a bit more. Here are the parallels. Number one, in John 4 and Hebrews 10, you see continuation and completion. Let me explain. Continuation and completion, that is. In John 4, the woman had to continually go to the well every day. In Hebrews 10, the priest had to continually offer sacrifices daily. But in John 4, Jesus offers water that completely satisfies. And in Hebrews 10, He is the final, once for all, sacrifice for sins. Do you see that? Number two. Not just continuation and completion, but temporary and eternal. Hang with me. In John 4, the reason she has to keep going back to the well is because she's thirsty again. In Hebrews 10, the reason they have to continually offer the sacrifices is because sin is not ultimately forgiven. But in John 4, Jesus says, the water I give you creates in you an eternal spring of life. And in Hebrews 10, Jesus is the eternal high priest who offers an eternal sacrifice for sins. One more. Are you still with me? An old way of approaching God and a new way of approaching God. And what really triggered this for me was what gets brought up in their conversation here in John 4. Look at it and then I'll make the contrast. Look at verse 25. The woman said to him, well, I know that Messiah is coming. That's, that's Old Testament. We've been waiting. We've been longing for this Messiah to come. And, and, and who's the called the Christ? And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. The hour is now here. What does this mean? In John 4, listen. God break through, I pray. In John 4, there was nothing this woman could do about her past. In Hebrews 10, there was nothing they could do to relieve the conscience before God. But in John 4 and Hebrews 10, Jesus says, there is a new and living way, and I am He where you can draw near to God in full assurance of faith. I who speak to you am He. There is a new way of approaching God. And it's a way in which your conscience has been washed. Here's the point. 
The exchange between Jesus and this woman illustrates the old way versus the new way of coming to God. Namely, just as this woman had to keep drawing water, we have to keep doing things to try to reverse our past. But Jesus offers her and Jesus offers us living water that is forever forgiveness. Forever forgiveness. Because he is the once for all sacrifice for our sins. Come drink. Come and drink of this living water that I offer you. And you won't have to go to the well anymore. And she drinks. And watch how she starts traveling light. If you ain't excited, I'm excited for you. Verse 39. And many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Anybody here this morning, Lakeville Sanctuary, got a testimony? I mean, you got a testimony of God did something in your life. Well, Jesus did something in this woman's life, and she goes and gives a testimony. He told me all I ever did. And when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word, and they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. My point here is just to say, look at this woman traveling light. You say, how do you know she's traveling light? Here's how I know she's traveling light. Because she's talking with the very people she used to avoid. Because she's telling her story to the very people she tried to hide it from. She has been set free. A woman with a whole lot of baggage starts traveling light. Because Jesus took the gracious time to peel back every layer and get to that issue and tell her, you know what, there's a new way to live. There's a new way to live. And it's not carrying this to the well every day and carrying this to work every day and carrying this into your relationships every day. You don't have to come to the well anymore because I'm going to offer you something different. Living water. And she drinks. And it's over. Forever. What does this mean for us? What do we take away from this? Just quickly, number one, because of Jesus, you don't have to avoid your past. Jesus doesn't avoid her past. He goes right after it. And He goes after it not so that we will be fearful. He goes after it so that we'll be forgiven. And I believe that Jesus, by the Spirit of Christ, is coming after your heart today to say, we got to deal with this. Secondly, is because of Jesus, you don't have to atone for your past. That is, what is it that you do in your life to make that guilt, shame, memory of the past go away? Again, is it work more? Is it hobbies? Is it just waste time on the computer? Is it a needle? Is it a bottle? Is it giving? Is it just having a good time with friends? What, what, I'm, I'm asking you this, faith family. What does going to the well every day look like for you? Because here's what the text is saying to us. Go to the living water 
so you never have to go back to the well. Go to living water so that you don't have to keep going back to the well. You don't have to atone for that. Jesus already has. And lastly, is because of Jesus, you can live in grace instead of guilt. You see, if you keep going back to the well every day, you end up drowning in guilt. But if you come to the fountain of living water every day, you drink of grace. Somebody ought to say, preach, preacher, that's good. If you go back to the well every day, you drown in guilt. But if you go to living water every day, you drink of grace. And you can go there in the morning, and you can go there in the evening, and you can go there in the heat of the day when you feel all alone, and you can go time and time and time and time again and drink as much as you want until you're fully assured that your past has not only been forgiven, it's been freed. As the old hymn says, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my guilty soul is counted free. For God the just was satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. I close with this. You've heard me share this before about a man by the name of Albert Sphere. You may not recognize the name, but he was a close associate with Adolf Hitler. In fact, it was his uh, ingenuity that created a lot of the concentration camps that I spoke of earlier. Of the 24 criminals tried at Nuremberg, Sphere was the only one that actually admitted his guilt, and he would spend the next 20 years of his life in prison. ABC's Good Morning America did an interview with him concerning the release of his book. And in the interview, they asked him, they said, uh, you mentioned in your book that you don't believe your past can be forgiven. Do you still feel that way? To which he replied this, and I quote, I served 20 years in prison. I wish I could say that after serving my time, my conscience is clear, but I can't. I, listen, still carry the burden of what happened to millions of people. I can't get rid of it. This book is a part of my atonement, a way of trying to clear my conscience, to which the reporter then replied, well, you don't think it'll ever be completely clear? And he said, no. I don't think that will ever be possible. Here is a man who accepted responsibility for 35 years, who served 20 years in prison, whose writings were full of remorse, who warned others repeatedly to avoid his failures, and yet just like that pastor in that little German church, and just like that woman at a well in Samaria, this man could not erase the sound of that whistle blowing. Faith family, hear me. If you want to travel light from the baggage of your past today, you must look to a Jewish man who was hauled away and tortured and beaten. Not hauled away to a concentration camp. 
but hauled away to joyfully endure a cross. And if you would just stop your singing for just a moment, and all the other attempts you're doing to try to drown out the guilt, maybe, just maybe, you'd hear the cries. The cry of it is finished. The cry of Father forgive them. The cry that you will be with me in paradise. And maybe when you realize, brother or sister, that that's your future, you'll no longer carry the burden of the past. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for your gracious word to us today. We are the Samaritan woman. We may not have done what she did, but we've done something. And those things in our past, because we have an enemy who is an accuser, tend to keep coming up. We continue to be accused. We hear that whistle blow. Thank you for the gracious intentionality of our Savior who cuts through all the layers and gets to the heart so that He can give us hope. So that He can take away the burden. So we can travel light. I pray today that every one of us would come and drink at the fountain of living waters. And that we would hear the cries from the cross and be set free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We pray it in your name. Amen.